can do anything I want. Get busy living, or get busy dying. So can you. Zed's dead, baby. This was Zed's my dead. way. Zed's dead. something really bad. I have to go home. Yeah, you may be a superhero, buddy, but you're not invincible. You are home. Will I be lying to you for a week? I was trying to be romantic. Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. We will not go quietly into the night. They may take our lives. And I'm Stephanie. And we're the, the Film, Film Underdogs. Underdogs. Welcome back to the Film Underdogs. Today we're going to be doing an interview with Lion Richardson. He's a local filmmaker over here in Portland, Oregon. He's uh, worn many hats in the film biz. He's done directing producing, acting, a little bit of makeup work. We met Lion over at a film meetup uh, just prior to the 48-hour film project. He was very welcoming and making sure that we were comfortable and that we were getting around and talking to people. Uh, He came back, checked in on us several times, just making sure that we were uh, getting around and people were uh, paying attention to us. And so he was actually a very big influence just in the short amount of time that we got to talk with him there at the meetup. And afterwards, when Stephanie and I had discussed having interviews on the podcast, uh, his name was at the top of the list. And so without further ado, let's get into the interview. I was going to ask you before we got started, I was looking at IMDb, it said you had a uh, makeup credit, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I applied a black eye and then uh, did a little, like, dried blood on a indie, an experimental indie film I did. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, when you're young in the film time, it's like, what what can I put up on IMDb? Um, I'm actually, that's funny that you bring that up, because I'm actually in the, uh, I keep I keep forgetting to message uh, the producer of a movie I worked on in L.A. last year, and I'm not in the credits, and there's no reason I shouldn't be. So I'm keeping the messenger, just like, hey, could you put me as a PA? I was just a PA, but still, I'd rather be a PA on a major indie than nothing. Yeah, exactly. Our thing right now is trying to get anything up that we can actually show, okay, I've done this, rather than where we were before the 48 hour was pretty much no credits, haven't done anything, and then with the 48 hour, it at least gave us that credit, you know. Remind, remind me what team we were, and did you guys place? Did you guys get in on time? Yeah, we did get it in on time. As far as I know, we didn't win any awards on it, but I don't know if all that's been done yet or not. Yeah, we were on um, any objects. Shiny objects, gotcha. No, the um the best of um list we made it on, and that's the screening for that is tomorrow night. Oh, that's um, cool. And, and, nice. and I think from I think from there they'll announce any of the you know like best best picture, best cinematography, best director, all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. But then then it'll be over. Then it'll truly be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next year, anyway. Oh my gosh, a break from the madness. I have a question for you, Lion. Yes, ma'am. What are your favorite roles to play in filmmaking? Right, like what piece of the puzzle do I like to yes. play with? I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I have a fine artist background, so 
I never thought that I would be a digital artist because I wanted to be a rebel and be like an oil painter or something. Cause I knew everything was moving into a digital age. Like somebody paid for me to take Adobe Illustrator lessons. So, so that I could do some screen printing designs because when you make screen printing shirts before computers, you know, you had to draw very cleanly and then each layer that was a different color had to be on its own separate layers, which meant, which meant you had to have transparent paper and you had to tape that together. You know, it was very complicated. And so we're like, let's just pay three bucks and like learn how to use the program. So I did that and that kind of tasted my palette for the power of, of especially what Adobe does, what you can do with that. And then, um, a couple of years later, I ended up going back to school and, uh, got my degree in visual communications. Which is kind of a general term for just media, art, any, anything and everything. And it was there that I discovered film and then I was good at it and I liked it. Since my template was pre-production, production and post-production, that has stayed with me as part of like what I like to do, which is why I like to direct because I like to wrap my head around the beginning, middle and end of anything and do it the best of my ability. So. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't stray too far from director as what I love to do, but that means a lot. It's not, you know, directing doesn't just mean sitting in a chair and saying cut or action, you know. Totally. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than what people think. It's the one job that you can't walk away from. You, the director has to be there <laughs> beginning to end. <laughs> I have a good example of that in this year's 48 hour that we participated in. I I went through a little family, not crisis, but I lost my job about a month and a half before the 48. And uh, and it was funny because that was recruiting time. Like that's when you're usually like asking people to help you and be on your team. And I'd gotten an early jump on it, but I was still asking a few people. And one person in particular, one actor, actress, I forget who, but they said that they were on a team and then, oh, they were open. And I said, oh, what happened? And they said, oh, the director lost his job. And I was like, ah, see, there's the difference. Like, I'm still going to do this, even though I don't have a job. Speaking to the point of what you just said, the director can't walk away. I told everyone on my team, you know, and, and kind of reiterated it a few times. Like, if you guys get a paying gig, if you get an opportunity, go for it. Walk away. No hard feelings. Just let me know so I can get somebody else. Just be mindful of, of what I need if I don't have it. And, and yet I was totally in a position where I should have probably walked away as far as providing for my family and all that kind of stuff. Things have worked out. I just got a new job and we made do in the dry times, but I felt very much like I couldn't walk away. Like I was the one who was, you know, corralling all these people and, and it was kind of a, I was crafting a vision while recruiting people. I didn't really have one at the beginning. And so I was selling this team and, and what I wanted to do with it. And so I, you, you just, your whole life gets wrapped up in whatever, when you're, when you're directing, if it's this scale, I mean, you know, there are directors who get paid to come in on the day and direct a thing and then they leave. And that's great. That might be nice, but that's not us right now. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not. But I don't think for a 48-hour project especially, that's not any of us. We can't just come in, do our thing, and leave. Everyone's kind of helping out with the whole process. Yeah, everyone wears multiple hats, that's for sure. Yeah. So what's your favorite genre? 
comedy, you know, comedy bending for sure. So, you know, dramedy, comedy action, comedy. I, I just, I think I remember our conversation when we were in person. Uh, you guys did do some horror and some, you know, special effects makeup type of stuff. That's a sandbox that I don't play in, but if it's really funny, if, if people are having a good time and feeling good, that's the kind of genre I like. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just one thing, but I want people to be, you know, have a good time and, and feel good by the end of it. I like, I'm all for happy endings. I am not, I'm not one that's trying to completely, you know, shatter everyone's reality by the end of a movie. Um, there, there's enough people like that. And it's, it's not like that's a bad thing. I don't have a, you know what I mean? It's just, I just don't need to be that guy. I'm cool with just giving everybody a fun ride. And then, and then there you go. That's a good thing, you know, especially when you have your field that you're interested in. There's no point in uh, stepping into one where you're going, eh, I'm not so comfortable with that. If you like giving yeah. people the uh, enjoyable, happy ending, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't like to waste my time. I don't want to sit down and be completely confused by something unless that's what I'm doing, unless that's what I'm going in for. And and then that'll that'll be based on a recommendation. Somebody tells me about a movie and it's this, you know, inception or something and it's, you know, wow, your mind's going to be blown because it's so trippy. Like, okay, well I know what I'm going into, but if it's just like, hey, here's my friend's movie, I'm going to watch it. Well, I'm, I hope it's, it's something that I can go like, wow, that was really awesome. I really enjoyed that. That was fun. So I hope to be that kind of filmmaker. So what's your favorite movie? I have a few that are like on default. Um, I know Star Trek First Contact was a huge one for me for a long time. I just, the tone of it and the, the getting back to, to what the kind of the roots of, of Star Trek and stuff like that. I thought was really cool. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. Of course. Of course. That That's was a good movie. That was the impetus of the inspiration for my, for my 48. Um, the whole lead up, you know, cause you don't know what you're making. So I, the, the, the scaffolding for the building that we didn't know we were going to make was Edgar Wright style Scott Pilgrim versus the world esque. Something. We just didn't know what it was going to be. So, yeah, I watched that movie probably 13 times leading into it. Commentaries and just watching it over and over and over and over and over again. And that movie never, ever, ever gets old. It is pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, just everything about that movie is so, so amazingly done from before the movie was made, just the stories. And then after, actually, I just listened to an interview with Mae Whitman who was Evil X number four, I think. <laughs> and she, you know, just talking about how, what an amazing time they had. And they were like rehearsing all their fights for like three months, no filming, just doing fight stuff. And it's like, that's the kind of movie I hope to be a part of someday. Maybe not make, like, I'm not even asking to be the director, but I just want to be a part of something like that where everyone feels like this is a family. And then the product is actually really good too, because a lot of times on the on these little movies, you know, people will become close and there'll be a good feeling to it, and everyone will feel like, "Wow, this feels really good. This is gonna, this is going really well." And then the end product just isn't. It's just a little, you know. Yeah. It's too bad when that happens because that you you know you have so little control from an from an actor standpoint, and sometimes from a filmmaker standpoint. 
when, you know, when certain things were supposed to happen and they didn't or whatever. Um, and so your vision from the beginning is sabotaged from the beginning. And it just, it's a shame when everyone feels like they had a great time and, and yet the product is, is so, so. Um, so I want to be a part of something where it's through and through a great experience and it delivers to the audience. That's, that's, that's definitely a goal. It's the ultimate dream. It's a really good goal to shoot for. We all want to do something that's bigger than just us. We want to be part of something that is actually remembered beyond our time. We don't want to uh, be forgotten the moment we pass on as, well, they don't have anything they left behind. We want to have something that future generations can look at and say, that's cool. Well, if anything, it, it would be like, because I think of my son who he really wants to get into like vlogging and having his own YouTube channel. And he's eight. And, <laughs> and, and that seems ridiculous, like on paper, but that's not ridiculous anymore. Like that's totally, there are kids younger than eight that have, you know, millions of followers on YouTube. And it's just a strange world we live in now. And so I'm hoping that. I can inspire him or people like him. Maybe not have them be impressed by me in a, like, look at him and, wow, isn't he amazing? But just say, oh, that's really cool. I want to do something like that. Just, you know, pay it forward, multiply it, whatever you want to call it, where it furthers on the creative river, as it were. It doesn't halt it or divert it in a weird way. That actually leads into another question I had. So if someone's trying to get started in the filmmaking guy, uh field, what kind of advice would you give them? I look to a YouTuber right now named Casey Neistat. Have you guys heard of him? Uh, no, I haven't heard of him. I would recommend him to any and everybody who's listening. Um, YouTube, if you just search Casey with a C, C-A-S-E-Y, his name autofills the first one, and it's N-E-I-S-T-A-T. Anyway, I've been really, I've been watching his stuff. I've been devouring his stuff lately. And he's really been inspiring me to change the way I think about film and filmmaking and, and how you really, especially today, there is no excuse. And that's what I would just tell filmmaker. There's no excuse for you not to be making films. Yes, they might look bad because they're made on your cell phone, but even cell phones today are better than, you know, VHS cameras were 15 years ago or whatnot. Um, you, we're already we're already ahead of the game as far as like just the commonplace technology, and it's the the best thing you can do as a filmmaker is to just start creating. Just don't let anybody stand in your way and create, create, create. It can be stop animation with little you know a still still motion camera, and you set it up on a tripod so it looks down on a you know a whiteboard or something, and you start moving. Doesn't matter. Just make do like. That's the key is to get past the what do I do? Don't let don't let that stop you. Just start doing it. Saying why am I not doing this? Ask yourself that question and just answer it. And there really is no good reason why you're not doing it if you if that's what you want to do. Um, I know that I've talked with a few people in the industry who have been around a while, and and they say it's not a matter of it's it's not always a matter of the best people that make it. It's often the case, the people that stick with it, they become the best people, you know, they become skilled because they stick with it. But it's the people who are flash in the pan that think, oh, I want to make a film. And then they make a film and it's really hard. And they're like, 
okay, I'm not going to do that. Um, or they do, or they try for a little while, or they go out and like, you know, maybe it's a rich kid and he goes out and buys all this fancy gear and he thinks he's a filmmaker just because he has a $20,000 gear set up. But it wasn't, that was because of something else. It wasn't because he had a, you know, a passion or a drive. Um, and it's the people that have a passion beyond circumstance that those are the ones that make it, especially locally. I mean, there's the local scenes, you know, kind of blowing up in a great way. It's because we have people that just have the drive. They, they may be putting out not the best stuff. And, and we have, we have a, there's only up, you know, to go with the content and the storytelling and things are getting better. And, but there's room to grow, but there's people that have been around for a long time doing it here and they're still around and they are the ones that are known for sticking with it and, and making it happen. And so, you know, anybody can do that. Anybody can be known for, you know, sticking with it. You may have a long way to go on developing your skill, but that's anybody. And anybody who who's mature enough to know that will recognize that you're growing and this is a part of your process if, if, if what you turn out isn't great. But the fact that you just keep doing it, that's the key. So that would be my answer. Is that good? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? What uh, what makes what drives you? Right now, I've got stories that have come up from my life, things that have happened that um, some are bizarre, some are like really sad or rather negative, but they're things that I feel like need to be told for various reasons. The uh, Bizarre ones, I think, just are fun stories that are going to be interesting to make a film about. But then the other stories, I feel like they need to be told so that they can help people out and maybe give people courage to get out of bad situations, that kind of thing. I don't want to get into all of that right now because it's a rather negative situation that I was in at the time. But I honestly think that if I can tell a couple of the stories that have happened, it's going to maybe help people get out of situations that they feel like there's no way to get out of, you know? Right. Helping people up the mountain that you've already been through. Yeah, because it had to do with domestic violence whenever I was a kid and all kinds of uh, horrible stuff. But that's that one. The other one was kind of a weird, kind of supernatural period that I went through for about five years where I was working in a haunted building. And so that story kind of needs to come out too, but I think that's going to be more on the uh, fun end of the spectrum rather than the other one, you know? Right. Tell that story, man, for sure. What about you, Stephanie? <laughs> for me, I don't know. Like I've had a lot of crazy dreams and nightmares and stuff. And I don't know. I don't really write them down. Well, I kind of do, but I just kind of remember a lot of them. They're really weird. Like, with the voice acting spectrum, just kind of, like, growing up, you know, I was inspired by Jim Carrey and getting inspired as much as possible, just trying to get out there. Like, even just walking around downtown Portland with all the interesting culture there. Yeah. <laughs> the good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> good and the weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, is that a driving thing or is that just a, what you might do someday oh. like what's the core of what drives you to i mean to even have a podcast that's called film underdog <laughs> i mean like there's something behind that you know what is that i know for me 
Uh, film has always been something that I've been really fascinated by. That came on back when I was a junior in high school. And I was in a film class and we watched some stuff about Lon Chaney and a lot of the older actors. And that's where I got my love for makeup. And at the same time during that film class, I realized there's part of me that wants to be able to tell stories that are bigger than just me or my immediate circle. You know, I've kind of wanted to do something that, again, it goes to where you have something that people look at that they can look at and enjoy, and it kind of becomes bigger than just me. I think that's a big thing. And then with the makeup, that's always just been my way of being able to express creativity. I've always got to be doing something creative or else I just feel stagnant and my life goes to pot while I'm uh, not doing the creative things. Mm -hmm. And up until just recently, it was focused mainly around Halloween and then you know, almost a depression the rest of the year while you're kind of going, well, you know, I've got one month a year to uh, really play around and do what I want to do. And I look at mm -hmm. filmmaking well, in any aspect, at least you're able to do something creative. And for me, being able to do makeup year-round would be absolutely amazing. Awesome. So, well, Halloween's coming up, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Getting ready. I'm actually working on a rather large, uh, a large concept for makeup this year for Halloween. It's going to be a, I showed you the pictures of the white rabbit. It's going to be a same similar concept, but it's going to be an owl. Actually get to work with feathers and stuff like that. It'll be kind of fun to play with and see what I can do. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. My idea for Halloween is a, a female version of Beetlejuice. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do that. Nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. My drive, I just grew up with movies. I guess in a way, the TV and movies was my babysitter, and I just love it. And I've always loved film, and even just watching the Oscars with my mom, I'd be like, I wanted to do that. I want to be in film. Just something, anything. Just want to be there on set or something, you know. And right. I even did a little bit of volunteer extra work after, like, the summer after I graduated from high school, this independent film called Thumbsucker, uh, at my high school, they filmed it, and it was just awesome being on a real set, but also in my high school, but yeah, it was just like, yeah. I love this, I just want to be here, I want to just live here, and I really like film editing, because I feel like it satisfies my OCD or something. It does allow, it does allow perfectionists a little bit of a marina. Yep. Do you have anything that you're working on right now? Yes, life. Um, <laughs> um, actually, uh, not too joking. I um, kind of just had an epiphany. My my grandmother's not feeling well. She's probably going to be passing within the year. She has cancer in her throat. Not to bring the mood down, but point is, uh, just reminded me of what's important. And I'm actually going to take kind of a hiatus from gigs. Uh, I have. I had several things in the pipeline, um, and I'm literally going to step away from them and just wish everyone good luck for a little while because I, I really need, with this new job and, and, and whatnot, I really want to focus on my family. And um, since I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and a two-year-old, I mean, they're like, these are the core ages for impressions, you know, like this is when... This is when things are laid, the groundwork is laid. And so I'm feeling that fatherly pressure to, to just kind of settle a little bit, not settle forever. I'm, I'm a creative 
you know, storm in my head. Like it's, it's really rough to not think about a project. I'm, I'm very, I've been live, I've been swimming in projects since I can remember. And so it's going to be hard, but I am going to try and tackle a little bit of adult life. I think there will, I'll be better for it creatively. Really just take a vacation from, from projects so that I can come back kind of renewed and focused more. So, um, there might be a project that comes out of that. Uh, like you, like you, Mitch, I'm, I think what I'm going through is might be worthy of a story or a film. So I'm kind of keeping my own notes on where I'm at and what I'm going through. And I would, of course, make it a little bit funnier than real life. (laughs) Um, maybe dramedy, but because of all the experience I've gained and because of the friends that I've made and, and the resources that, um, are kind of not a finger's grasp, like anybody will drop a dime, you know, drop on a dime to come help me, but I've got enough friends and influence that, that people would want to see if they could help me. And so, so it'd be nice to come back with a mature kind of well-formed story that, that really isn't just, Hey, here's a cool idea. Let's uh, put a Japanese samurai in uh Easter bunny suit and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you know, like whatever, whatever that is, I just make, you know, I want to make good stories that, that people enjoy and help people. And so just like you mentioned, I want to help guide people who are going through rough times. Cause I'm going through, you know, a little bit of a rough time and I'll be better for coming out of it. And uh yeah. So that's my next project is me and life and family and stuff like that. And someday a movie will come out of that. Well, that's good. Yeah. If you need a makeup artist for it, you know, uh, give me a call. <laughs> yeah. You, you never know. Did you want to plug a website or anything while we're doing this? I do. Um, while I'm taking a break from creative stuff, it doesn't mean I'm taking a break from my career as far as a graphic designer. I'm, that is my bread and butter. And so. Um, people can check out my stuff at liondesign.com. I spell it interestingly, so listen carefully. L-Y-O-N-D-Z-Y-N-E.com. I play with the Y aspect of my name. But that is a pretty complete portfolio of film and graphic design and, you know, logo work and all that kind of stuff. So, um, check that out in, on YouTube, you know, just search Lion Richardson, L-Y-O-N-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N, and you'll see all my 48s and other stuff I've collaborated on. I did a, I did a batch of Dorito commercials last year or the year before. No. Nice. Um, well, not, you know, they didn't get picked up or anything, but it was, a, they were entries into the competition. So. Oh, okay. There's some fun ones for sure in there. Those are where I have stuff if anybody who watch or look at them. Okay. You were talking about the review review podcast. Is that going to be coming out anytime soon, or are you still kind of <laughs> no, thank you for, on that? <laughs> if I work on any project, it might be just editing those and getting those those done. Um, we have probably about fifteen to twenty. I can't remember at this moment in the bag, but they run in excess of two hours each. Wow. Yeah, um, we just hit record and just start talking and we don't stop for a long time. So for people's time's sake, I just want to go through and, you know, make sure that they're, they're the audio is good and clean them up a little bit and get rid of the ums and the uhs just to save on time. Because there's lots of lots of funny stuff that goes on that we do on our podcast. People can listen to their one episode. It is on SoundCloud. In SoundCloud, search review, review, Batman 1989. We're the very first one. It says review, review podcast. That's a 20 minute, uh, I don't even want to say snippet. 
that podcast actually broke. Uh, the recorder stopped recording 20 minutes in. And so that's all there is of that podcast. Oh like it's never going to be re- any longer. Um, but it happens to be a great sampler of what, what we're like. And so if people don't want to spend all the time with us and uh, on the other ones, at least at first, then, then they can try that on for size. Okay. That works. Yeah. Uh, I think that actually about wraps it up for us. Wanted to say thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us and talking to us while you've got the whole family thing going on. Yeah, they're chomping at the bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're an inspiration, Lion. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we really enjoyed uh, talking to you at the uh, film meetup and... We both really enjoyed it, and when we started talking about who we wanted for guests on the show, you were pretty much the number one, and I knew that you were the one that I wanted to be on for the first guest. You know, I'm well, just really you. glad that you could uh, come on and spend a little time talking to us. Um, um, it's been my, yeah, it was my pleasure. I'd love to do it again uh, when there's more time, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, um, we'll be at the best of screening tomorrow night, as I mentioned at the beginning. Um, so I'm hoping something, we win something, that'd be great. Yeah, wouldn't it though? I was kind of <laughs> hoping for the, uh, special effects, but man, everyone, uh, just kind of outdid what I did. So I was like, <laughs> all right, well, you know, it happens. It's tough, man. It's yeah. Tough. A lot of work into a short amount of time and you get what you get. That's it exactly. But, you know, I got to meet a lot of great people. So that's the important bit. So, you know, it's really, that's what I tell anybody. That's really the point of a 48. It's not about the 48. It's about what the 48 leads to. Mm-hmm. It's just um, the beginning. Yeah, it's just the beginning. Have a good night, Lion, and thanks again for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Oh, man, let's talk about films. So, for this week, we watched the film Chef. John Favreau, he wore many hats. Yes, he was the director, he was the writer, and he was an actor. Wow, I didn't know he had actually done that much in it. I hadn't looked at the uh, credits on that for the writer and stuff, so that's good. It was a very inspired movie. You could tell that it came from his heart. You could really see the uh, personality in it, too. And the food's personality. There was a lot of food in there. Oh, Lord. Oh, if you love food or you love cooking, that's a movie you gotta watch. Even if you just like a good movie with a good a good overall story, then this will be a movie for you guys to watch. Uh, I was going into it not exactly hesitant, but I wasn't going into it with high hopes, and... I actually walked out with a new favorite movie, so that should say something where it gets to the top of my list after one viewing. Yeah, it was quite a great experience, just seeing someone live out their dreams. I mean, you know, just like us, you know, in a way, the character, the main character, he's kind of, what, middle-aged? Uh, and he finally gets to live his dream and really 
do what he wants with the food industry and, you know, being a chef and put himself out there and then bond with his son. I mean... So the basis of the story is that Carl Casper is working in a uh, restaurant that he no longer feels like he's being allowed to be creative in his food. He's expected to cook the same stuff that he's been cooking for the last five years every day, day in, day out, can't change anything up. And when a food critic comes in, he ends up having a meltdown and deciding that it's a it's time to do something else with his life other than work in a restaurant that doesn't appreciate his skills. Carl takes his son to Miami with his ex-wife and he ends up getting a food truck. And the rest of the story plays out with his son helping him clean out the food truck and start a Cuban sandwich a food truck and it's the story of how they start to bond and get to know each other again since they had not really had a chance to spend a lot of time together for quite a while and John Leguizamo was there as well just to be some kind of comic relief I guess you know he was pretty cool some appearance by Robert Downey Jr. as like an ex of the ex-wife <laughs> Well, and Dustin Hoffman also makes an appearance. Uh, he's the restaurant owner who refuses to let Carl cook the way he wants to. Total jerk face. Sophia Vegara. She plays the ex-wife. And of course, the biggest role in the movie goes to the food. Oh, I was going to say social media, but you're right, food too. Well, Twitter plays a big part, but... Every scene in that movie has some kind of food in it. I don't think there was more than just a handful of scenes out of the whole movie that didn't have some kind of food. And usually it's being cooked in a very precise way, a very loving way. It's being cooked in a way that tells you that that's the only thing that matters in the world at that moment to that particular person is that piece of food. Getting it exactly right, not accepting something that is substandard. It's all about making sure that the food is perfect, cooked exactly right, to just the perfect uh, consistency or brownness or whatever it is, just so that whoever is having that food has an experience and not just a meal. Yeah, I guess it was kind of a road trip movie, too, in a way. Yeah. They went to New Orleans at some point and got to try their local food. I remember, like, that part where <laughs> they were sitting on top of the food truck, I think, and I don't know where they were, but it was nighttime. Or was it night? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, like, had his son try some beer, and he's like, uh, no, or something. Like, I don't remember the quoting there, but, you know, the dad, like, Carl was like, try the beer it's okay or this isn't a beer it's a cerveza it's a cerveza and then he's like just take a sip and he took a sip and he's like Bleh. and he's like this is what i want you to think about if your friends ask you to try some beer or something yeah he basically said that tastes really bad doesn't it kid goes yeah and he goes yeah just remember that whenever your friends ask you to try a beer later 
So what was your favorite part of the movie? I did like when he was inspired to start doing the food truck when they were in Miami and him just experiencing the culture again and just feeling that passion again to actually do something about it. That's cool. Definitely what you would call food porn. If you are into food in any way, shape, or form, this is the movie for you. You definitely don't want to go on an empty stomach because you'll be starving by the time you get out of that movie. It's going to make you want to go eat. Yeah, definitely don't go hungry. I did um, like the part, the transformation of the food truck, where it was terrible in terrible condition, all grimy and, oh, definitely used. And uh, they put some elbow grease into it and, you know, got his son to work hard and to understand what hard work really means. And they were able to make it shiny and brand new and take it on the road and the road of happiness. Well, and more than making me want to eat the food, I walked away from it kind of wanting to go into the kitchen and start cooking some food. I enjoyed that part of it probably more than anything else in the movie was just watching them prepare all this food that looked absolutely delicious. With the father and son, with Carl and his son, Carl was saying that, you know, in the beginning of the movie, they should go to New Orleans and try the deep-fried beignets. And it was like, you know, some little thing that they thought of in the beginning and definitely was going to mean a lot to the son. But yeah, he was just kind of like... There's a passing thought for him, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll try it out sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was kind of like them reaching their goal when they finally did, you know, actually go to New Orleans. And they had already been through so much and finally got to have that authentic benet and the authentic experience. experience. It was all about the experience. It wasn't, it wasn't about, um, going and seeing a massive amount of stuff or goes, going and seeing the touristy stuff. It was about the one experience that would make the whole trip worthwhile. He wanted to go and have his son try the deep-fried benet in New Orleans for his first time because he would always remember that. He would always have that connection between that food and that place and that moment, anytime he had it afterwards, he would always remember that. So it was a very uh, moving idea that connected food to the overall picture in your life. It was rated R. That is pretty crazy. They dropped the F word a few times. I mean, there was like no sex or nudity, right? And that's what was great about it, I thought, that, you know, to have it be pretty wholesome the only real quote-unquote sex part was the food that was the sexy part you know i mean they had scarlett johansson going back to his place to have him make food for her that was it and that was kind of a hot scene where she's um getting worked up over him cooking and so that was interesting to watch so how many stars would you give that, Stephanie? Uh, probably four. 
Yeah, I'm right up there with you. I think four, four and a half, something like that. It's actually a really good movie. It's It's got a very positive overall message that if there's something that you want to do, something that inspires you, that you need to go do it. Rather than being miserable your entire life, figure out a way to do what you love to do. And I do understand in real life that people have to pay the bills, but the message is true. If there's something that you want to do, you got to figure out a way to do it. Otherwise, you'll just grow stagnant and you'll be miserable rather than being able to do what you were put here to do and be creative and enjoy your life. So, four and a half stars for me. There is some good news that just came up this last week. We are now officially on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Beyond Pod, pretty much any of the major podcast players were now listed on. So however you want to listen to the show, we're there. And hey listeners, you'll find us on Twitter at Film Underdogs and then Facebook Film Underdogs. If you want to drop us a message, you can send us an email at filmunderdogs at gmail.com. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Film Underdogs. Always remember to follow your dreams and stay inspired. Sounds of the 70s weekend just keeps on trucking.